HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. Hello, I'm Carlos Jescas, and today I'm your guest host. Today is my last episode of the season, and I look forward to a little break. I know a lot of the listeners of these shows are in the middle of a heavy fourth quarter, making sure you have a successful end of the year, and I thank you for listening. For today's show, I bring you a conversation with a dear friend of mine, a fellow cheese judge on competitions, medals, and judging. I have with me Emma Young, aka The Cheese Explorer, on Instagram. Emma has been a judge at the World Cheese Awards since 2012, has judged the Global Cheese Awards since 2013, and the International Cheese Awards since 2014. Last year, during the pandemic, she joined the Virtual Cheese Awards and was a supreme judge. And this year, she also judged the Arts and Cheese Awards here in England and the Italian Cheese Awards. Apart from cheese, Emma has judged the Great Taste Awards since 2015, here in the UK. Having judged over 20 different competitions, I think it's safe to say that Emma is a professional cheese judge, and she has a sense of what competitions are all about and what is the impact of the awards. So I am happy that she is joining me today. Welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you. Hi, Carlos. Hello. <laughs> Hello from England. You're in England too these days. That's that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We are both in England, so we are pre-recording this show. Um, and so we have some questions prepared and we are going to um, go right into them. Um, so let me start, Emma. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself for those that yeah. don't know you from the Instagram? <laughs> um, hello, I am Emma. So I am by day a cheese consultant, which is not a made up title well it sort of is but I've kind of made my dream job which is excellent um and through this I basically help to um open cheese shops for people I help cheese makers cheese mongers anyone who needs some help that I can help them with 
Um, and in previous lives, I've been a cheesemonger, wholesaler, cheesemaker, and I love writing. So yeah, the Cheese Explorer Instagram pages where you may have seen me, um, and I'd, I'd like to write freelance as well. Um, I judge at various competitions, which is why Carlos has got me here today, and I think that's that's it, yeah. So how did you get into cheese, Emma? Ha, <laughs> uh, my favourite question. <laughs> um, by accident, I think like most people in cheese, you don't really wake up and think, I'm going to work in cheese. That's it. I'm going to study cheese. That's that's my dream. I'm going to do it. So I was, uh, when I was at university in London, I was studying linguistics and I, w I needed a part-time job to fund said course um and I basically thought what is very very different to what I'm doing now and what do I really enjoy doing and I thought cheese is great <laughs> I'm gonna start selling cheese and sort of how it started I looked for a job I found a deli in Sloan Square in Chelsea um and yeah I, I became a cheese monger there and, and the rest is sort of history wow um, yeah <laughs> how long ago was that Oh my gosh, um, 13 years wow. apparently, but that's quite scary. So we won't dwell on that bit too much. Okay. But yeah, it was, it was a sort of an accident, but I absolutely fell in love with cheese and realised how much there was to it more than just being an excellent food. Um, there was just so much to learn. There was so much about the culture, the chemistry, the making, the everything. And, and I, I got completely sucked in basically. <laughs> nice. And you said that you were also a wholesaler and a cheesemaker. Can you tell us about that yeah. part of your uh, experience? Yeah. So um, after I started cheesemongering in Chelsea, I moved on to, um, I actually worked for a big American company in the UK and I ran their speciality department for a little while, uh, well, for five years. And then I went on to making cheese um, making a, a Mexican style cheese, as Carlos knows, which is a bit weird, um, but in um, in Peckham, so in southeast London, so not where you'd expect to eat Oaxaca, <laughs> queso fresco and chihuahua, but that is what I did, which was great. Um, that was a dairy called Gringa Dairy, uh, which was really great um, experience. I really, really enjoyed that. And then after a year there, um, I moved on to a French uh, fromager affineur, so a cheesemonger and a maturer, but their UK arm, and I ran the wholesale department for them for five years, which was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I absolutely loved that job, um, traveling around France and Switzerland and selling amazing cheeses to people was a, a dream. <laughs> nice. That's great, Emma. So do you remember the first time you were invited to be a judge? Uh, do you feel you were ready for that role? <laughs> I do remember. Um, I was at a Golden Fork dinner with the Great Taste Awards gang. So the people who do the World Cheese Awards, they also do uh, the Great Taste Awards, which Carlos mentioned earlier, which is general food and drink. Um, and I was at one of their sort of awards dinners with my past employer and... I was luckily on a table with Torty Farrand, who is the wife of John Farrand and one of the directors and people in charge of the World Cheese Awards. And yeah, we got talking and she said that it would be really nice to get some new blood. I was really young at the time and 
I just basically told her how much I liked cheese and she said it would be good to get me on. Um, for your second question, did I feel ready? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no way. I knew what I liked. I knew how to describe things in my way, but I was so new in the industry. I obviously said thank you and yes, I would love to be a judge, but absolutely did not feel ready um, for the role. But because of the way the World Cheese Awards works, you get partnered up and teamed up with people elsewhere in the industry. So I wasn't on my own. I didn't have to make any decisions on my own, which is excellent. I had a, a group of people to decide with. So that was really great to, to learn alongside them. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you remember what year was that? That was in 2012? 2012, yeah. yeah. Nice. Good. And where were the Warches Awards that year? Do you remember? I believe they were in Birmingham. I think there was quite a few years where they were in sunny Birmingham in the, the Midlands in the UK. Um, I really liked it there. I, I quite enjoyed because it, it was always in November and there was a sort of big Christmas market and it was just a bit different for a couple of days. So I, I really enjoyed going up there. But yeah, Birmingham's not the, the capital of cheese, but it is, um, you know, it was a, a great location and, and quite easy for people to sort of fly into and, and train into as well. Right. And then after that, you have judged, you know, every single major award here in the, <laughs> in the United Kingdom. Um, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, um, well, there's one I haven't. So I need to collect them all, Carlos. It's like Pokemon. I need to get <laughs> one more and then I've got the set. But um, so because, as you know, the cheese world is really lovely and intimate and, and you get to basically meet all of your heroes and your colleagues in the same place because it's it's a small lovely lovely intimate um industry so i met one of the people who asked me to judge um through a past job so that was the which one was it it was the um global cheese awards i believe and i met the head steward who actually was also a salesperson for somewhere i was working at before and he said, yeah, you should come and steward. Actually, why don't you just come and judge? So he invited me. Um, and for the others, I actually did a course, which was, um, what do you call it? It's like a, a cheese grading sensory analysis course. So I learned with a guy called Bruce McDonald uh, how to taste, basically. So lots of little tiny vials of clear liquid with sweet, sour, salt, etc. in them. And he basically helped to train me how to taste and he was integral to one of the other awards so he he knew that I could taste things and invited me to but yeah in the UK those were I was invited very fortunately and the others I sort of nudged them and asked if they needed anyone <laughs> um, as you do so for the virtual cheese awards I thought it was incredibly innovative so I thought what a cool thing to do all of the competitions have been cancelled during the pandemic so they put it online and I thought that was such a cool way of continuing the judging process so I, I emailed them just to say that's that's great do you need any help and they asked me to judge um which was really nice yeah. that's wonderful and then you end up actually uh, in the supreme panel of that of, yeah. of those virtual <laughs> cheese awards and also yeah. choosing the cheese that ends up winning the yeah. overall <laughs> go me that was great yeah tell me about that had had what you know going into that competition is so different 
know, because that's yeah. online. What, what were you thinking when you, you know, tasted all these seasons and were like, oh, this is quite unique? What, what was that moment? Yeah. Um, so, like, as you said, it was quite a unique competition because whereas normally you're in a room with your fellow judges who you can sort of chat to, instead we had all of our cheeses sent to us. So I had a fridge full of about 9,000 cheeses. <laughs> My other half was not massively, well, he was happy. But then it got to a point of, okay, enough. <laughs> but we had some beautiful cheeses in, in the house. Um, and yeah, I was luckily asked to be on the Supreme panel, which was really great. Um, and once, so basically what you usually do, as Carlos very much knows, you, you basically judge in rounds and you whittle those cheeses down to a certain amount. Then you whittle those down again and you get a winner. So with the virtual cheese awards, um, I was judging throughout with certain categories. And then in the final uh, final stages, in the final panel, I was with two other uh, cheese experts. And we basically had to choose out of the final cheeses, which was the winner. And I, from the first stage, had a real thing for this lovely washed rind, washed rind stinky cheese in a box, like a sort of camembert style box or ipoise. Um, but it just was quite different. It was, um, yeah, it was it was really sort of fruity. It wasn't over the top. And I think that's what I love so much about it. With washed rinds, sometimes you get too much going on. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> um, but this one had fruit. It had the perfect salt level. It had some really interesting sort of farmy notes to it. The texture was brilliant. The aroma was enticing there was a lot going for it um and yeah I sort of wanted to watch its journey and it made it to the final <laughs> and I thought it was brilliant and so did the other two judges fortunately which was very nice and it won um what I found really interesting was that it was pasteurized and that was quite an interesting sort of eye-opening thing with such a complex cheese and such a really really interesting washed dry and cheese for them to make that with pasteurized milk was quite a quite a feat which I thought was really really exciting and then when did you find out what cheese it was and can you tell our listeners what cheese it was <laughs> yeah sure um so the same day because it's all virtual you sort of find everything out immediately um and it was really nice that we actually got the cheese makers on to to zoom as well to show the public as well that they had won it was a cheese called uh, renegade monk by a cheesemaker in somerset called feltham's farm uh, who were quite new actually so not not a long-standing cheesemaker they're actually quite new like sort of lost within the last 10 maybe five years i can't remember exactly but they're new new age and they didn't come from a cheese making background which is also really exciting they're just really good at cheese making out of nowhere <laughs> um but yeah that was is a really lovely cheese it's yeah they make a couple of others as well and actually they won twice in two years so the next year I didn't judge it. I don't work for them. <laughs> I didn't make sure they won, but <laughs> they their second cheese, the uh, Fresca Margarita, which is like a queso fresco, won the Supreme Champion in 2021. So, yeah, they've done really well. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually 
have heard of this um, course that exists here in the UK for grading um, cheddar and also Stilton. And so there is actually in, in the UK a whole um, sort of education now process of how to become a judge for those specific categories in Italy as well. And you seem to have done, you know, at least this one in the UK. But what other training do you do you have you had or have you done um, to to be a better judge? Um, so I think as a, um, I don't know, sort of one of my my weaknesses is that I'm, I never think I'm good enough at life. <laughs> so I always want to do courses. I want to get better at what I'm doing. I want to learn more about what I'm working in. And it's sort of a, a really interesting thing, but also a, a massive flaw because I'm never happy. But what that means is I find some really exciting courses to do and I go and work with people who can train me and who I can help as well at the same time. So what I've done is um, I already mentioned the the sensory analysis course, which is pretty fundamental to judging. Uh, that one, you basically calibrate your palate and find out how you can taste salt, sweet, umami, bitter, bitter being probably the, the main one in cheese um, production. Mm -hmm. And you just sort of find out um, your tolerance and if you're able to detect those. And that was a really, really interesting course. Um, in terms of other courses, I, um, I've done the sort of Guild of Fine Food cheese retail course and, and others like that, but I've done a lot of work on the job. Um, so lots of my work, especially at the French uh, wholesaler, involved flying out to Comté, to Beaufort, to Gruyère and helping them select the cheeses and sort of training with masters on how to find those nuances in the cheeses or how to know this six month Conte is going to be brilliant in 12 months time <laughs> and all of those sort of things that don't really make sense um but the more you taste the more you sort of develop those skills um I think that one of the things that I absolutely do every day of my life um <laughs> is to eat cheese and to constantly eat cheese which trains your palate. Right. Um, and by sort of taking notes on every cheese I eat, it, it helps me sort of put them in a place. Where do they compare to other cheeses? Having a grading system is quite an interesting one. It's very nerdy, but having your own grading system for your, your dinner is um, it's nerdy, but it, it does help you down the line. Um, so do you have a I notebook think, where yeah. you have all these notes? I do. <laughs> oh my God, this is like the no holy Bible. grail of cheese judging. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's so lame, but I love it. Um, and I think, yeah, when I'm when I'm doing that at home, like I will always grade a cheese which is in my house. But the the one thing I'd say to people is to not do it when you're hungry. Right. So that doesn't work. <laughs> okay. So I sometimes. Even though I'm a professional and I want to grade cheeses, sometimes if you're hungry, you're just hungry and everything tastes good, doesn't it? Right. right. So you just taste it and it's excellent and it's brilliant and you don't notice how sweet it is or if it's got a fault, it's just great because it's filled your tummy. Um, but yeah, I do, I do sort of have to think about the not hungry thing and make sure that 
I'm uh, at a, a good stage. I'm not over full either because then you don't want to eat anything. Um, but yeah, I, I am that sado who has a book, a holy grail full of cheese. I think that's amazing. And for all <laughs> the listeners, yeah, <laughs> all the listeners out there, I, I, you're the constantly asked, you know, how can I be a judge? Well, here, here we have the School of Emma and, you know, she has a <laughs> book with her grading system. So if you don't have one, you don't deserve to be a judge like Emma is. Get on it. <laughs> Get your grading system. Get a nerdy book. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's very interesting. I actually don't have a, 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 a grading book, but I do have a, a place where I keep all of the... Uh, sort of stickers and you know labels of the cheese yeah cool uh, and of course i have hundreds of pictures on my phone and i i take uh, you know i have mental me uh, mental snapshot of the cheeses and so when i go and write something online or you know i i kind of transport myself by looking at the label and by looking at that um but yeah. i i think I, i need a book now that's it that's your christmas present i'll get you a book Send it over. Fantastic. Start your cheese Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some good um, R&D right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you could judge another cheese, another food that wasn't cheese, what would it be? Cool. Um, so, I mean, you do judge a lot of other foods, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think if, it, if I was to do another food in depth, um, okay, I've got two. <laughs> um, I think... So I think chocolate is amazing. And I think, yeah, once I did a, a very small masterclass, mm -hmm. uh, I think it was maybe at one of the good food shows where they do some lovely masterclasses. And I, I attended one as a general public mm -hmm. and learned that chocolate is not just something you stuff in your face <laughs> when you want a sweet kick. It is absolutely fascinating the amount of sort of flavor profiles the textures the fruit everything which you can find in chocolate is absolutely incredible um and I had no idea I never really tasted chocolate before that was that was a thing that I just ate um and I think a lot of people might might do the same with cheese whereas I sort of have my little book and my notes, but chocolate definitely has so many different nuances and styles. I think it'd be really fascinating to look more into that. Um, or if we're allowed to go boozy yeah. and not just cheese, <laughs> wine for sure. I think wine wine is really, really interesting. I've right. kind of learned a lot because my, my other half, as Carlos knows, he works in wine. He's a, a wine distributor in the UK and we taste a lot of different styles, which is really good. Um, and it's just so fascinating seeing the parallels between wine and the cheese world. So I think it'd be a nice one to sort of follow on. Totally, yeah. Um, I'm highly intimidated by wine. Uh, I, I do drink a lot of wine and I try to taste it, but I'm highly intimidated by okay. it. And, um, and, and you know, some some people would know that I actually prefer to drink white wine than red wine most of the time. Yes. So I, I'm I'm already at, at you know at buy at, at fault there for for not uh, loving so many of the red wines. But I think it would be actually quite interesting to learn sort of at that level um, that you know cheese, that you and I know cheese to know another mm. food. Um, but I think it will require a whole other lifetime to do it. It it does. That's the thing. Maybe we need to find sort of like the uh, the fountain of youth, and then we can start learning wine. But um, I think with with wine, 
it's not something to be ashamed of if you're only drinking white wine. We all start where we know what we like and then we can sort of, it doesn't mean you have to drink every wine or eat every cheese because you're a cheese person or a wine person. It's what you like and then you can just sort of appreciate or, or analyse the rest. So I think it you're being a bit hard on yourself. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. I think this is probably a good moment to take a break. But before we do that, let me remind um, you that Cutting the Curd is hosted by the Heritage Radio Network, a radio station supported by the community. This is the season of giving. And if you can, please consider a donation to the station. You can donate by going to the Heritage Radio Network website and clicking on the donate button. Now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. All righty, welcome to the show. I am Carlos Jescas. I have with me Emma Young, cheese judge and monger from the UK. Emma is talking to us about her role as a cheese judge. And so before we uh, went into break, we were talking about uh, her experience. Uh, I want to move a little uh, bit away and now talk about um, sort of what are the responsibilities of judges? Um, do you think that judges have any responsibilities to start with? And then what are who are you responsible to? Are you responsible to the producers that enter their cheese? Are you responsible to the organizations that put together the, the event? Um, or do or you think we are responsible to the public that, you know, then sees a medal and, you know, believes that, you know, that cheese or that food uh, is worth something different uh, because it has gone, won a medal? Okay. Um, another great question. Uh, absolutely, judges have a huge responsibility. And I think it's quite an interesting one because the responsibilities are to everyone that you've just mentioned. Um, so first and foremost, to the producers. So as judges we are we're advertising boards basically for those cheeses so uh, 
okay, so go back a step. So we are definitely uh, responsible for making sure that we analyse those cheeses properly, that we're giving them the light they deserve and making sure that we are giving comments um, and giving feedback to those producers of what is amazing about their cheeses or what may need slight improvement to get them even further. Um, I think that once they have entered a competition and maybe if they do have medals, if they do win and they're successful, it's absolutely like advertising their cheeses to the, the bigger cheese world, but in a, in a good non-advertising, advertised way. <laughs> um, it's basically showing them this is an amazing cheese. It's been judged by these people who are experts in their field. And look, it's so good. You need to buy it. You need it in your counter. And you over there, you need to go and buy it from your cheese shop. So there's that responsibility to the producer to get it sort of more well-known mm-hmm. by um, the public. Um, I think what's really interesting is the public, right? I love competitions. I love competitions and I love watching things. I love seeing people win things. It makes me feel fuzzy inside. It's really nice. Um, and people really love underdogs as well. So it's a chance for cheeses, which may be slightly under the radar, which may not have huge advertising budgets, may not have huge budgets in general, uh, it's a great opportunity for them to to have their sort of shining moment. So if we look at, for instance, the World Cheese Awards, which just happened this year, Carlos and I were there last month, right. this month, yep. this month. <laughs> this month. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were quite a small producer. And, yeah, in Spain, they were a small producer. They didn't have a huge advertising or making budget they didn't expect to win the best cheese in the world um but now everyone knows about them which is so cool um and i think it's really nice for the public to be like yeah okay i've never heard of that cheese no one's ever none of us judges had heard of that cheese but now look at it it's brilliant it's a great thing to to sort of be elevated and for people to see um I also think that the what's interesting, right? So the Italian Cheese Awards, which Carlos just mentioned, I judged there for the first time this year. And they have a very, very interesting way of um, judging their cheeses. Very, very different to anywhere I've ever seen in that they do involve the public. So the public get a vote in that competition, which is very different, isn't it, Carlos, to to what we're usually used to. so whereas usually you just have experts judging the whole way through, with the Italian Cheese Awards, there's three rounds. The first is experts, which then goes to a second round of public vote, um, and then back to experts in the third round um, who are a super jury to, to basically find the winner out of those. And I think getting the public involved is quite an interest. It's very weird, and it's very different, and it took me a quite a while to sort of think this is a this is a good thing but (laughs) having the public involved is quite nice because they're super invested they want to know what the cheeses are that they really liked and it also gives a great sort of consumer perspective of what people like um so i think yeah it's basically us judges have quite a lot of responsibility carlos (laughs) don't we it's it's a lot of lot not pressure but it's it's a really great platform for us to help cheesemakers and to get those seen by the public. Right. 
And I should say that, you know, for the listeners out there, uh, you know, Emma is probably one of the best examples that we have of someone that understands her responsibility and also understands um, that this is an ongoing process of learning. Um, I, I have judged with many other, I have judged with many people and many people, you know, show up, you know, hangover, you know, it, <laughs> like exhausted. And they're like, well, I just mm -hmm. don't want to try that, that, you know, that category of cheese. And, and you're like, you can do that, right? Like, mm. like someone, you know, put all their dreams and hopes for someone to judge it. Uh, and, and if you don't do that, um, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's in detriment to that producer. Um, and of course it's not like that, as you can, as you can imagine with her little book, she, she's always prepared and thinks <laughs> of her responsibilities. <laughs> with my notebook, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think we should have a cartoon of you with a little a book and uh, uh, that should be yeah. your logo now. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, make it happen. <laughs> uh, you're a little, you talk a, a, a already a little bit about this, but what do you think is the value of a medal or a war? You, you know, obviously the world is the you know the best cheese in the world. The, you know, the, that is obvious. You know that that person's life changes; their cheese will be sold forever without any problem. But you know, what about the person, the the producer that wins a bronze? And you know, what mm. is the value of of that medal for them? Yeah. Um, I think that medals and awards have so much value. So firstly, who doesn't like winning things? <laughs> I remember in sports day and things at school, even if you get bronze, you've got, you've got a medal. You've done something really good. You've, you've shown someone that you're capable or your, your product or what you're doing is really great. Um, and even if it is a bronze and not a gold, it doesn't matter. It's a recognition, which is really, really useful and, um it's brilliant basically for the producers i think it's from a producer's uh, perspective i can't speak perspective um i think <laughs> it's yeah it's really important um that it's something that they strive towards so um yeah when you when you get a bronze right gives you a craving to go further okay why didn't i get silver right. why didn't i get a gold and you look at the feedback from those experts who've judged and you're like okay Let's see what they've said. What did not make it silver? Why did I miss out on those points? And what can I do differently to get it further in the competition? So sometimes it's it's really simple, like the cheese was a little bit oversalted or um, unfortunately it was a little bit overripe. There, there are certain things which are really, really tiny things that can be changed um, in order for a producer to go, okay, right, brilliant. If I change that, that could be gold cheese instead of a bronze. And it's just a, not just for the medal's sake, it sort of helps those producers realise that they they might need to change things in their recipe or they want to make a, a the best, best cheese that they can. Um, and I think that the medal system sort of helps them in realising that they, they want to see those changes. Um but also the medals are massively a reward for their hard work. So it's one thing, being a cheesemaker is very, very, very tough. Mm. And it is sometimes not rewarding. You're like, why am I doing this? I'm making something. It's why am I working all the hours in the day? <laughs> what what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this? And then to get a medal, sometimes even something just, it's not simple, but being rewarded and being sort of, um, how would you explain it? Sort of 
um, analysed, your cheese being analysed as being excellent sort of gives you that incentive to go, okay, this is why I'm doing it. I remember why I'm doing it again. Okay, this is it. I'm so happy that people also understand why I'm doing it and, okay, I will carry on. Um, I think, yeah, medals sometimes have a bit of a negative connotation in that people can sometimes think, oh, whatever, like you can get a gold if you're a rubbish cheese. (laughs) Um, That's fine. But I, I think that they have those different types of benefits which are not just about being the best cheese ever it's about sort of striving for being better and for developing your recipe a bit more and for finding out how you can improve that sort of continual improvement i think is really really beneficial right no i i I agree with you and i you know i have judged a couple of competitions that have a monetary value associated with them like you know if you want to uh, a bronze you you'll get you know fifty dollars and mm. if you get a silver you'll get two hundred dollars and if you win a, a gold you you get a five hundred dollars and so you know that is not that people are doing it for the money but at the end of the day that is also part of that reward right that so Absolutely. that it is rewarded in in other ways and 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 i think that's why this conversation always has to go um, a hand in hand, the responsibility of the judges, and then also the value of the medals, uh, which is yeah. great. So it sounds like, um, from your perspective, you not only took a lot of things from your day to day work as a cheesemonger, as a wholesaler, as a as a consultant to be a judge, but it also seems like you may have taken some uh, skills that you develop as a judge to bring to the, to your day-to-day job, what would you say are, are some of those skills that, that you hone as a judge and then now you apply them in, in what you do uh, as a consultant? Mm. So as a consultant, uh, my clients are very varied. I don't have sort of one type of client. Um, and the skills that I've developed from this judging and from all of these competitions are very integral to my work. Um Ultimately, everything I'm doing, all of the consultancy work and everyone I work with is to help them sell more cheese and sell better cheese and uh, to celebrate good cheese as well. So every single person I'm working with, I'm basically trying to trying to do the greater good um, mm-hmm. and get them to sell as much as they can and the best va- version of that cheese to people. Um so if I'm working with cheesemakers, um, I'm working with, for instance, one in the UK, we taste through all of the batches of this specific cheese that they make um, to see what works, what doesn't, what starter cultures work. All from it, I mean, if we're just talking from a tasting perspective, it's really interesting because I don't get involved in the, I do a bit, but I don't get involved massively in the nitty gritty of what starter culture you're using, what temperature did you do this at? I taste with them and um, from those sort of tasting notes in my in my little book, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we can figure out what worked in their production and what was tasting good and why things worked in a certain way and why they were great and why they weren't so good. Um, so that's valuable in finding out from um, that, that sort of production but also tasting perspective why they both work. Um, I also think that when I'm working with retailers and when I'm working with shops and teaching them how to sell cheese, um, a lot of it is helping them develop their cheese vocabulary. And even 
before cheese vocab is confidence in saying what they can taste and and what they're feeling in the cheese so with judging I've found that um a lot of what I've done is about it's, it's practice okay isn't it so you're you're tasting things and you're figuring out okay this tastes like x or this tastes like something I tried before or doesn't this remind you of something else and you you sort of teach yourself through memories what I do definitely through memories of this tastes like the blackcurrant squash I had when I was 17 <laughs> years old at my mum's house and it's a bit specific but um I think it's a lot attached to memories and if you can get your retailers in shops finding those sort of links and and not being afraid to go yeah this tastes like pate um <laughs> when other people might not think it uh is really invaluable so making sure that people have the confidence to talk about what they're tasting um, and and to just taste constantly with each other. And, and I think as a judge, you're constantly um, critiquing cheeses. You're like, right, what does this taste like? What's the texture? How does it smell? What's, the, what's everything like? And if you can at least take a couple of those elements into a retailer or someone who's ultimately going to sell the cheese to the, the final customer, it's, it's absolutely it's very, very valuable for them to be able to sort of describe that onwards. So if there's one thing that I like to train on to any of my clients, it's how to talk about cheese and how to sort of not think that you're going to know everything and not think that you're going to be wrong about the cheese, but to be able to voice and vocalise what you think a cheese tastes like and to give that to your final consumer, um, which I really, really enjoy. That's wonderful. I, like, I would love to yeah. <laughs> I would love to do one of these tastings with you. I think it's, it sounds cool. like a wonderful thing and very valuable yeah. to a lot of uh, a lot of cheesemakers. So how Thank can you. people find you? Um, uh, of course, we have mentioned your your um, Instagram where you post yeah. a lot of uh, beautiful pictures of cheese and, <laughs> and things that you're eating. But, uh, you know, where, where else can people find you? Um, yeah, so as Carlos said, the Instagram is sort of my day-to-day -day, here's what I'm doing right now but um for a bit more in depth um I you can find me in a couple of different routes so if you look up the cheese explorer um I do some sort of freelance writing I've written some sort of cheese and pairing notes for people for instance with sparkling wine denominations you can sort of try and google but my website is uh, www.cheeseexplorer.com. <laughs> Not the Cheese Explorer, but just cheeseexplorer.com. And um, I put some things on there. And also I, I teach a couple of things too. So it'd be really nice, um, yeah, to, to see any of you on my courses. So I do uh, the in the UK at the minute. Hopefully we'll go a bit further out. But I teach the Guild of Fine Food retail cheese course uh with my pal patrick mcguigan or our pal, our pal. <laughs> um and yeah we basically teach cheese maker uh, sorry cheese mongers retailers and even hospitality how to look after their cheese to sell it uh and to make sure that it's in the best condition um and then i'm also about to start teaching the academy of cheese in the uk as well which is going to happen from the beginning of next year um so if you want to learn with me as well it's sort of like the uh do you have the wset in in america it's global right uh yeah or, i think so yep. yeah it's like a qualification in cheese basically but i will be teaching that virtually um and that 
sort of gives you the foundations of cheese, cheese knowledge, how it's made, and then a bit into tasting. So that's another another way you can find me. But this will all be on my website, www.cheeseexplorer.com. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you. I want to thank you so much for your time today, for joining me, for your candor and, and all your answers. Um, I am privileged to say that you're my friend and now yeah. people uh, can get that sense of why it's so easy and fun to follow you uh, on Instagram. Um, oh, thanks, Carlos. Thank you. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening today. Uh, if you have questions for Emma, send them her way. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, today is my last show of the season. I will see you next year. Uh, I want to thank our engineer today, Matt Patterson and without him we wouldn't be here or the Heritage Radio Network and please follow the Heritage Radio Network and Cutting the Cord on social media uh, you know how to find us thank you bye Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.